listening to KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You're listening to Mendocino County Public Broadcast Listener-Supported Community Radio. We also stream live at KZYX.org. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce. Um, Kadimachi. Good morning and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022 and welcome to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce. Sintamana, Ana Pikabitamde, I am your host, Keishi Corrine Pierce. I'm a local pomo basket weaver. I'm a traditional artist, herbalist, dancer, storyteller, and cultural and cultural educator with ancestry from Lake and Mendocino County tribes. I'm honored that you're joining me this morning to take a closer look at some of the amazing people, places, and events that make our home in Mendocino, Lake, and Sonoma counties unique and rich. I'm grateful to be able to share some of my personal heroes and this month, my relatives who happen to be some of the most influential movers and shakers in our local indigenous community. This morning, I have the honor of talking about Coyote and Big Buff, which is a local film project that was made in 2019 as a response to the Mendocino, uh, the Mendo Complex fire that happened in October 2017. The film has, the short film has been receiving some amazing recognition in the film festival circuit, and I want everybody to know about it. 
So not only was this film chosen to be screened as part of the, Smith, the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian uh, Film Choice, it has also been chosen as an official selection for the 2020 Short Film Awards, the 2021 North Dakota Environmental Rights Film Festival, the 2021 Maoryland Film Festival, the 2021 Sacramento International Film Festival, and the 2021 Children's Film Festival Seattle. It's been getting quite a bit of recognition, and I have the honor of introducing you to some of the local folks that created this little gem. My first guest today is Eilina Piggin, who was the filmmaker behind the camera and guided this project. Our other two guests are very special to me. They are my cousins from Redwood Valley Rancheria. Um, Yosha, who created this, um, the coyote story that turned into this short film is here. He's only 13 right now and in the eighth grade. So a few years ago, he was even younger than that doing this film. Um, and Erica Panola, Yosha's mom, who is a very important person in our local indigenous community. She's a language teacher and a culture bearer. Um, and she also got to star in his film as Coyote and her little outfit is so cute. So once this film is uh, available for everybody to see, um, you should rush right to your computer and, and watch it when you can. So I want to say welcome to them and I want to thank them for being with us today. And I'm going to get started with my interview with Eilina, who couldn't be here today. And I, I hope that she gets to listen and knows that we're wishing her a good visit um, out of town with a friend. But I'm going to start uh, with the interview that she recorded for me. Um, and then we'll move on to my live guests. So here is her interview. My next guest is Eilina Yaru Pigan, and she is a local filmmaker, and she is actually um, the person that did the recording of Coyote and Big Buff, and she is a local treasure, um, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and her work on this project. So take it away, Eilina. Hi, um, I'm Eilina Yaru Pigan. I'm... Um half Chinese and half white. My mom is from uh, China and my dad's from uh, many places in Europe. <laughs> um, Coyote and Big Buff was a short film that um, we worked on in 2019 to 2020, uh, right before COVID hit. Uh, for It was inspired by um, Mendocino College had a artist collective called um the phoenix project and uh through that worked on a short film and and that was the the inspiration or or platform where it began okay so the phoenix project what was that um, Mendocino College, the art department put together a collection of uh of like dance performances and there was a play called the wildfire by jody german and um i think there were sculptures placed around the campus and so for the very first night that wildfire played um coyote and big buff played in the um in the lobby and that was the very first introduction okay so um, how many, how did you get into filmmaking? 
it's been a, well, it's mostly self-taught. So it's been a really slow kind of natural process. Um, well, I actually, I went to school for geology and I worked for the EPA department at Pinoleville Pomo Nation for a few years. And um, through that, I just found film to be a really accessible medium. And I really liked that I could get things done that theater can get done or books can get done, but in a way that can reach a really broad audience and can be fun to interact with. Um, so it just slowly became a bigger and bigger presence in my life. <laughs> What's your, what is your normal art medium? I don't have one. Normal you don't have one. one. You just are a master of many trades. <laughs> That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> very, very fun. So um, this short film has been um, receiving lots of accolades. Yes. Lots of awards and lots of screenings, right? So, what has that been like? I, in a in a way, it was kind of unexpected because it, the whole process of making Coyote and Big Buff was so effortless, and everyone who joined in just naturally gave a lot. So, I don't know. Sometimes when things are so easy, it feels like it's a sign. <laughs> it's meant to be. Um, but also you can underestimate it at times as well if you don't have to fight for it. So this film was kind of like that where we were, we made it and then we put it out there in the film circuit, film festival circuit, and we weren't really sure if it would get anywhere. Um, and then slowly it did and people started reaching out and asking us to be in certain festivals or in uh, screenings. And it's been a really pleasant surprise. I, yeah, it's just been really fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And um, it it makes me really happy that it's getting so much attention, especially because it was really in response to the uh, Mendo Complex fire that mm -hmm. destroyed so much. And then to be making this incredible art, um, it's just so impactful, I think, and so so rewarding. So that's really wonderful. Yeah, I guess it's important to talk about what the film is about. <laughs> I just realized. Um, okay, so Coyote and Big Buff is uh, is uh, two short stories told by, written by two um, young boys in our community, uh, Yosha Carson from Redwood Valley and uh, Bo. Oh, no, I forgot. Decker, Bo Decker. Um, both of them were, Bo was five and Yosho was nine when we recorded the stories. Um, they narrate it and they both lost in 2018 in Redwood Valley. They both lost their homes. Um, so the goal of this short was to uh, empower both boys to recount an experience that could be really traumatic um, in a way that lets them reframe their story. So they told stories that they thought would help their community and other people who might be afraid of fires. That's really sweet. <laughs> um, I went onto your websites and I watched the interview with the storytellers and I thought that was really, really awesome. And I'm 
um, excited to be doing this interview with you now because when people are listening to this, uh, you won't be in the studio. So this is pre-recorded, but Erica and Yosha will be in the studio with me um, that day talking about this program. What was it like working with such little kids? It was great. I love it. I think, um, I, I mean, one way this story came more naturally was before this, I made a short film about my own experience graduating from college and kind of feeling very lost uh, spiritually and also career-wise and everything else. And that story for me was like pulling teeth. And I just lost direction on how to end the story. And so with Coyote and Big Buff, I also had this motive of, oh, I want to I want to tell someone else's story this time, and I want to see if it flows more naturally. And with them, they just told stories beginning to end, no problem. Like Yosha, we were at um, Penoliville's camp out at Fort Bragg and um, the cultural camp out, and it just flowed out. It was so quick. It was like, all right, tell me a story. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, and same with Bo. Bo just, Bo told 20 stories. I actually had to, in the editing process, <laughs> had to focus it in into one story. Um, so it was, yeah, it was really fun. And you get a uh, perspective of, well, one thing I'm really drawn to, and I think you'll see when you watch the film is, um, I like talking about real life, but adding a whimsical filter on top or a resist like resilient approach to life and uh and the boys they they both did such a wonderful job with that so what do you feel like you learned from that experience uh technical technical skills i learned a lot throughout it i learned how to animate um and and do like keyframe. There were there were some technical aspects that were um, exciting to learn, and um, I think I kind of, it also is pushing me in a direction career wise that I wouldn't have expected prior to it. Uh, that I just really care about people and I want to help, and and um, and it's really f fun to amplify other people's voices and to help them get heard. And I'm hoping to get to do that more in the future. Um, and from the boys, I learned about compassion and kindness and trusting people, uh, that there are people in your community who can give even when it's hard to give and that you can give uh, even when you've lost things. And yeah. <laughs> It's always hard for me to talk about that night. <laughs> so, like, I know how much healing people in our community are doing still around fires. Um, because it, it feels like at this point, everywhere that I go and do public speaking, I can talk about um, the relationship with fire. And it doesn't matter what part of the state I'm in. Everyone is having a personal experience, you know, of loss or of fear. Um, and I think that telling those stories, especially having children tell these stories, um, is really healing for the community. And I think that that's why this film is effortly getting <laughs> picked and just people are like, wow, that really resonates. So um, 
um, before our time is up, I would love for you to give information to anybody listening um, how they can see this short film or how they can get a hold of you to see your other artwork or anything like that. Yeah, we have a website. It's coyotebigbuff.com. Um, I don't know if I need to spell it out, but uh, big buff, like B-U-F-F, and then coyote, like the animal, <laughs> .com. Um, I have a website as well, eileenapagan.com, I-L-E-N-A-P-E-G-A-N. And uh, if you'd like to watch the film, you can send me an email. Uh, It's currently not open to public, but who knows, maybe by the time this airs, oh, we'll be able to share it because we're still, everything's delayed because of uh, COVID. So um, so we're in the film circuit a little longer, festival circuit a little longer than we would normally. Um, but you can email me at Eilina YP, like yellow pig <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, and, and I'll, I'd be more than happy to send you a, a private link. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining me today. And before you go, um, and have a wonderful visit with a good friend for a holiday, um, I just want to let everybody know that I've been, not only did I get to watch you grow up from being a little girl, <laughs> um, but I also have got to work with you. And um, I was awarded a part of a fellowship that I was awarded to was to make um, how to videos for cradle baskets. And you were the one that um, has recorded those like five hours worth of videos. <laughs> so um, before you go have a wonderful holiday, I just want to say thank you very much. And uh, thank you so much for being a good ancestor and local treasure. Thank you, Corinne. Okay, that was my interview with Eilina Piggin, uh, who was the filmmaker of uh, Coyote and Big Buff. And thank you for joining me. If you're just joining me, this is uh, Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce on KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits, and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg 98.1 FM. Um, my next guest is Yosha, and I am so excited to talk to Yosha. And make sure you guys aren't on mute. But I like to talk about Yosha's like my little dude. I was there the night he was born at the hospital. Um, and he's just a special kid. You know, he's a young man now. He's not a kid. Um, and uh, he started weaving baskets with me when he was really young. I would say probably five years old. And he's, He's consistently made baskets, which is a big deal to me because I'm a basket weaver. And he's um, he picks it up really easily. And he is so good at it that he's able to teach other people, which is like, you know, when you're a basket weaver, that's all you want. You want the next people to, to teach. And that's what he does. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. And I'm going to give a little bit of background. So in um, 2017, in October, when the fires started, um, our rancheria, the Redwood Valley Rancheria, lost several houses on the old rancheria and on the new rancheria. And um, Erica and Yosha's house was one of those houses. And I called her, I called Erica that night um, to make sure, because we were all family and we were all checking in on each other. And she wasn't even home. And 
this is how amazing of a kid that Yosha is. Him and his little brother had, and I remember very clearly, um, had had kind of an obsession for a little while before the fire happened about being prepared, like being prepared for an emergency. And they actually already had their to-go bags ready to go. So when their mama got home, they lost a lot. But those boys, like, dang, they were so so prepared and like they kept such a cool head and um this story came from that loss um so i'm gonna let yosha start talking yosha sentamana um very good very good uh cody uh i am yosha panola yosha panola anna it's okay anna or i'm from red valley and i wrote Coyote, Fox, and the Big Tree. And, yeah. So you were only nine when you wrote this at camp. Um, can you tell me, what? so what did Eilina do to get this story from you? Did she just sit down with you and say, hey, Yosha, do you have a story that you want to tell? Oh, I, yeah, I think my mom told her, told me to go sit over there with that person and they have they wanted to talk to you and then Eileen asked me if you have a story you tell your story about that night and I thought I had to like tell my story about how like we evacuated and everything and I believe we like said that we didn't have to do that because mm. I already tried to do that at a radio station and I was like I don't know trying to speak Chinese <laughs> yeah that's how i met her too i think really yeah <laughs> that's interesting yeah so i i know it is really hard to relive an experience like that and i think doing it through metaphor and through simile is really cool so telling it in a totally different way than having to sit down and relive the trauma, which is, I think, terrible for kids. Tell me what the... St I know nobody can watch the show right now unless they get to go to a film festival. So tell me what what is the story about? It's about a fox and a coyote and the fox's home, a big tree, and... On a very hot day, the tree catches on fire, and the fox needs water, but in the valley, there's no water. So he has to go up this hill and go to the spring that never runs dry, and before he can get to the spring, the fox, or no, the coyote tries to stop him because of a grudge that he holds against fox, but they make it up, they grab water, they run down the hill, but they're too late because of that grudge that Coyote holds against them. But they, they get over it and live happy, happily ever after. That The show is so cute. And where did you guys film it? <laughs> a low gap? Or was it was it a oh, low yeah. gap or was it in River Valley? Uh, one of the parts is up the hill. And then another part is by Panoli. Yeah. It's yeah, up the hill. it's like up the hill. So you, yeah. it was uh, recorded on rancherias. That's pretty cool. <laughs> they recorded at Redwood Valley and recorded at Pinoleville. That is a really cool thing. So, um, who made your costume, Erica? 
He said, I want you to wear a gray shirt. And then one night, Alina came over and she said, we're going to, um, what's it called? Um, like, paper mache. Yeah, paper mache. So we came out, we paper mache it. And then um, she said, I'm going to take this and I'm going to paint it up. And I said, okay. And it came back. So it's a little hat you put on. And he said, I want you to wear a specific gray shirt. He's very specific. So, and then my gray pants and some black shoes. And every take, you had to make sure you had the same outfit on. And um, he definitely was a great producer director. And, and director. And at the time, being so little, um, I just wanted to step back and do when I said time, you need to go over there and talk to Elena, um, it was just the cutest thing because when they were there, she had a typewriter, and he's like, "What is that?" He's <laughs> like, "Oh," and he sat in wow, there. Wow, you and, made me feel old just now. Right? <laughs> the kids like, don't know what a typewriter <laughs> is, or what somebody asked me what a forty-five was the other day. I was like, "Oh no, no, what happened?" So he went into the little spot and she let him type on the typewriter and he was so excited and he's like, look at my story. And I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. So it was just a story at the, at the time we didn't know it was going to explode into this really amazing production. And during the production, when we're talking about what did I wear? It's like, what did everybody wear? Cause he, he got to pick. So he was making decisions and choices on what he wanted the outcome to look like. And so his little creative brain. And then it got some stressful times, too, because we're needing to, you know, use our voice on recordings and having to do it over and over again. And his little voice in it, it was it's so cute because it captures his little voice when he's telling the story. So he's narrating the story and then we're like acting out his pieces. And so we're um, having me run down the hill up there. Like you do what you, you really do what your kids want you to do. And if you have to run down the side of a hill, you're going to run down the side of a hill carrying water in your mouth. So when we get to the tree, you speed it out and you can see it. So if you didn't see it, we had to go back and do it again. And Eileen is like, do it again. <laughs> so like, <laughs> just run trying to hold this water in our mouth and then um, making sure that our little mouth moved while he's narrating um, yeah. narrating the stories. So our mouth had to match his words. And so um, I forgot the girl's name, Maggie. Maggie was the fox and she was a act, like an actress at the college. So we held, he held um, a colleague. Like there's a- Ooh, auditions. Auditions. <laughs> wow. He actually had people come audition for this. And it was the cutest thing because she was so um, animated, I guess. I don't know what you call but she was so amazing and she did a really great job. And he's like, I really like that one. And then the person who was supposed to play Coyote, Coyote got sick. And so that's how I ended up becoming Coyote because they're like, oh, no, we can't do it. And I said, Mom, you're going to do be Coyote. And I said, I guess I'm going to be Coyote. <laughs> I'm so I'm glad you got to be. I'm so glad you got to be Coyote. And I'm so glad that they recorded it when he was nine because, yeah. gosh, they just get so big so fast. And I feel like I'm missing it. So documenting everything is so important. Um, so we already started talking, Erica, but you did not uh, even introduce yourself. So let me officially welcome you to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures, uh, Sintamana. 
Bajuta Ana. <laughs> I'm very tired. Yeah. <laughs> so Erica Ana, Keteoke Ana. And I'm just very grateful to be here and for you to ask us to be here today. Um, when you invited me here, I was pretty nervous, but I know that you'll never take me to a place where I'm not going to be able to just be able to talk my way out of it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, like, wanna, like you told me yesterday, we are the experts in what we know. Yeah. So, <laughs> use your own quote back to you. Yeah. I love it. So, um, I'm a, a mom, number one. That's my favorite job and the most important. And I always make sure to make those these kind of decisions based that I the work I do around them is because our time is so precious. So I also serve on a tribal council and on Consolidated Tribal Health Board um, on various committees. I also teach and um, learn the Northern Pomo language. So if anybody would like to learn, I always like to advise you to go to the Northern Pomo language tools website that we keep updating. Um, I'm working with Kathy O'Connor this last couple of years, pretty strong. Um, Yosha's getting some private lessons at home. Um, kidding, kidding. Yeah, once a week. So we're pretty excited from her. She's awesome teacher. We definitely have our work cut out this last year. We not being able to go out into the community but being able to do um, Zoom classes. So I was very proud that you know, she was able to step up and do some weaving basket teaching, basket weaving teaching, so you talk backwards, um, to the community. Um, and, I, you know, I'm always grateful that you took interest in him and, and taught him where you made him feel very, you know, special and gave him that tool to be able to teach. You always know you're a good teacher if you can turn around and teach. You know, if you learn it, I'm a good learner. So um, we're definitely proud of this film. And one thing that we were very surprised about is um, the interest that it took in the in the film festival circuits. Because she's like, what do you think? Eileen's like, what do you think? And I was like, what do you mean? What do I think? Submit it. Just do it. You know, we love it. Like, and then, um, then we were getting these recognitions and showing up on zoom because it was everything was closed down so we couldn't go to these places so we were pretty excited to sit there and watch all the films it was up against and just getting a special recognition at that um, film festival was pretty special because he just thought he was telling a story and he just thought he was doing a little project but it's going to be like time time definitely keepsake and keepsake and so um just going back to the night of when you talked about when we lost our home, it was very hard. So when they were trying to interview him at school about it, you know, he got really emotional. But when she came to him in a different way and she approached him, she was like, just to tell a story. And his brain, he's like, he asked him, where did it come from? What did you tell me? Off the dome. Off the dome. <laughs> like, okay. He's very creative. So he just really uh, started writing and then loved the typewriter and then um, really evolved those characters because the characters have their little personalities because he's like coyote needs to act like this and i was like okay i got it and fox needs to be like this and you need to run around the tree like this <laughs> and uh so it it took a lot of time 
And then, it, you know, you feel like a little movie star when you're shooting. <laughs> Do you have a, um, a, I can't remember what it's called when they have like the buffet, the caterers bring all the, did you have snacks for your, for your actors? Oh, no. <laughs> no? Oh, harsh. You sound like a very, um, very good director already. Like I want to, I watch a lot of documentaries and when they're talking about producers and directors, they talk about how like focused, laser focused they are and that they already have that idea in their head. It's a lot like basketry, actually. <laughs> I can see where he could step right into that. So Yosha, do you think that you will want to make more film projects? Maybe in the future, maybe. Uh, or just stick with the one. <laughs> Since your your first one's the best, you just stick with the best. I always think that. I'm like, oh, that was my best one. I'm just gonna stop here. It's so it's really awesome. I thought it was amazing um, that you like. So I know um, Erica and and our parents did this before us, and our grandparents too. But really made the decision to. And I remember hearing you say this one time. Are are we Pomo? Or are we just descendants of Pomo? And I remember you said that one time, like it's important to you to live a culturally active, culturally relevant real life. And um, Yosha is just, your kids are just an example of when that really happens. Like it amazes me that with everything that our kids are exposed to, and this generation of kids are the most um, advertised to of any generation in our history that he went for um Kao and Dewey as main characters and he went for Fox and Coyote um in our time right now I think really hit is hitting a real I don't want to say primitive I want to say really um basic um knowing for people that are seeing this they're like, okay, I can, you know, we all have some kind of story that we know about Coyote. We all have some kind of Fox story. And for you to make a new one, I think is really important. Culture is not um, stagnant. It moves and it grows and it contracts and it shifts. And I think that Yosha, with you using those characters in a new way and giving them a different um perspective or a different shade of their personality because to me like i know coyote from all the old stories i know from all the like he's wise and he's goofy and you know and he holds grudges and he can be mean and he can be a wise giving creator and all i think to choose those animals was really really amazing um did it just i i still want to ask you about how you made the story did it just come to you yeah, I already had the fox in mind. Or no, not the fox, the coyote, because he's a trickster. And then there's a tree up there that I like looking at when we drive up the road. And that's I just went around that. And then, I don't know, I got the fox, but because they live in holes, so I can make them live in a tree. So... Very smart, very smart. I'm really excited when I do you know if it's gonna be in any more film festivals this year? I don't know anything about film festivals. Like I don't know if there's a season for film festivals. Is it a spring thing? Is it a summer thing? No, I think she was trying to <clears throat> submit it to however many film festivals we could get it into. 
And then um, internationally, we had people interested in running it in Australia also from our relatives over there. They were really excited when we showed them. So <clears throat> we're trying to see if we could go international also. But go back to those characters, it was cute because um, what part of the story is he's um, Coyote is like very sensitive because he was like holding a grudge for a reason. He said, "You guys don't want to play with me," hmm. and he said, "And it was and it was cute." And then then eventually, I can't tell you all of it, but they become friends. And so he said, "You know, I'll, I'll let you live with me as long as you want to play with me, right?" Yeah, something like that. And it was just cute, and I was like, "Oh, he actually thought this through and and really thought about bringing community together." Because when they talk about the fire, what happened was people's homes burned down, and nobody usually talked to each other. You know, we weren't very we're close knit community on the res, but not outside of the res. I feel like, and so during the fire time. When we did lose our home, the whole community of Redwood Valley got together and helped support each other. <clears throat> and so it was very parallel to what we were living and to his story. And so actually it holds so much more meaning than, um, you know, just losing our home. It was really bringing the community together. And now we all, like, as a community, I feel like that really brought everyone together and our community is much stronger. People have a lot more understanding, compassion. For each other, and they're um, definitely seen a big change. You know, hey, how you doing? You no, know, we drive around and wave at people, and or you know who to talk to when you need resources, or many more doors open. And so, when it's fun to show this film because people are, you know, looking, and then being able to um, get whatever they need out of it, and that's the cute part too. Yeah, I love, my mom always said that once you uh, release art out into the world, you don't really get to be in control of it anymore. It's everyone that sees it or partakes in it um, gets to interpret it in their own way, which I think is really, really cool. And I think that it's so amazing to be so young, to be as young as you are, Yosha, and to have that experience. Um, what does that feel like? To, to know that so many people are seeing your vision. Uh, other than that 2020 thing, I didn't know it was in any other festivals until right now. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations on all those. <laughs> I can I can tell you again what they were because I, I had to write them down because I was like, wow, is that five or is that six? There was there's been a lot this year so far. And I think that that's amazing. So now that you know <laughs> that people are seeing your vision, how does that feel? Uh, it feels pretty good because um, if I ever pass away, I always have something to leave, right? And gosh, thirteen years old with a legacy. <laughs> knowing a lot of people have seen it is cool because I don't know. It's just crazy thinking about all the exposure it's gotten over the what three years. Well, if you guys you guys made it in nineteen, and then Eilina started uh, sharing it in twenty. But COVID was really crazy, so it feels like all of that whole 20 disappeared. So, gosh, it's like now. Now it's starting, and everybody is getting to see it. And it's so hard for me to 
to connect nine-year-old you and 13-year-old you. <laughs> My gosh, so the whole world has changed since then. It's so really cool that you got to do that. And I hope that you do do more. I think when you have a gift, and I know that film writing and screenwriting and directing, that, those are all arts. Those are real Ours that like you heard Eilina in her interview talking about she made one about herself and it was not easy. So for it to come effortless, effortlessly for you, I think you should really keep doing it. Um, so also Erica, so while you're here and you are a good ancestor and a local treasure, I would love for you to share the work that you have done and continue to do, um, with the troop of dancers from Australia. I would love for you to share that. Because um, I know Yosha went with you. You took a whole tribe. <laughs> um, so share what that is with the listeners today. So uh, you could go to, it's called Biochemie. And there's a amazing production that we were able to create. We had the opportunity of having some Australians from Cannes come um, and it meet us. And so when we started talking around the fire stories about our traditions and our culture and the work we do, they were just so blown away how we were so similar. We were so similar, even the history that they were just like, Oh, like we felt like we already, we already know you. We're family. Um, we're going to take, we're going to bring you to Australia. We're like, sure you are. Did you not? She's like, can you get 20 people to come with you to Australia to make this production? And I was like, I don't know what production means. And traditional dancing isn't really a production. And she goes, I absolutely know that. So in um, Cannes, what they do is they take their traditional dance and they um, pair it with um, new dance. And they make productions to tell story, new story and old story together bringing old to new. And so when we brought our families across the ocean and they welcomed us onto their country, uh, we got together with their elders and it was the first time, this is the best story, it's like they brought all their elders from everywhere and they welcomed us and they, you know, accepted us as their family. So we'll always be protected when we walk on their lands. And so when we got together, we, we sat down and we talked all together saying, you know, they wanted us to record certain parts of dance. And I said, I don't record. I'm not going to do that. Like, we're going to do this live. And she's like, we're going to do it live then. Because part of, like, their singers, only certain people could sing. And so they had their some of their songs recorded. So they're making their old dance part with new contemporary dance. And they we created this um, old, new, and our traditional dancing together. And we made this, uh, it's a story about how a baby gets its name because they were like, wow, the babies, you know, get their names. This is how we do it. We have a smoke ceremony and you guys have a ceremony in roundhouse. Like, that's totally amazing. Let's tell that story, but in a very respectful way. And so we got permission from, um, their elders and the elders that I was able to get a hold of. And they told a story and it's very amazing. Um, I'm trying to be able to get, that link to some production because they've been working on um, getting that out. So really people don't didn't really get to see it unless you came to our show in Redwood Valley and some people got to see it, but it was very amazing. We traveled internationally with these little ones and when we, they were interviewed over there, they were able to talk about, 
you know, live in being Pomo. And, the, you know, I do this and I do that. Let me show you, you know, because we brought stuff over there. And so they were able to sit down and talk to the elders. They were totally amazed. And they were, like, very proud of who they were and where they came from. And so, um, like you said, like, live and being Pomo is a thing. And since they were in womb, like, I sang with them. And when they came out, I, I wanted them just, when they grew up, and be like, my mom made me dance. Like, I didn't have a choice. So that they could know that, like, it's important for us to, like, live being Pomo so that we could, you know, pass it down to the next generation, next generation, and the next seven generations. And they're an intricate part of that because when they were over there, they're like, what do you think? You know, you know, you got to rig up and um, I don't know, I'm tired. Like, they didn't do that. They, you know, jumped right out there and they're very proud, you know, they walk in like they were little movie stars and. And, but it was a real different kind of pride, you know, not arrogant, but they were very proud of who they were and where they came from. So um, I I could try to get you a link. I'm not quite sure how to find that. There's like a promo on YouTube um, called By, Bayal Kamene. And so they do want us to travel international with them also with that. Um, but COVID, did, of course, shut us down. So they were talking about like going to Paris and bringing that show. And I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know how many people listening got to see the performance that happened in Redwood Valley. It was actually at the Redwood, at the Eagle Peak school It was behind there one night. It was amazing. Um, the dance troupe from, from Australia, they are a professional dance troupe, like with lighting and sound and, it was I was so proud of you guys like I was feeling the spirit there was definitely a way I can round that circle though it was really really amazing and I'm so proud that you guys do that and I say every week (laughs) every day every time that I'm on this show that representation matters and I always want to remind our listeners that it what you're doing what we're doing what I'm talking about was illegal until 1979 so when you put that into perspective, you really have to think that it's, it's people my age. Um, so in our forties and younger that had the opportunity to really, really raise our children like this without, without as much fear as the generations before. And Yosha is a prime example of, of generations being able to live in a more traditional, more connected way. And I think that it's just, I, I think he's amazing. I think he's an outstanding person. I think all your kids are amazing. And I think you're amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so Erica's sister, Tanya is my goddaughter. And I've been also teaching her to weave baskets for most of her life since she was about nine. And I know she made a cradle basket and took it over to Australia and gifted it to somebody over there. And I think that that was really amazing. I think that, um, you know, I always think I like when you guys went there, I was like, I know for certain that there are more Pomos in Australia right now than there have ever been in the history of Australia, probably because you guys took so many people over there. Um, 
All right. So we are um, we are about done with your interview, if you guys want. But do you have anything else that you want to add, that you want to talk about, that you want to bring up that your is your passion project right now for both of you? Well, if you go to, it's Bialkamene. It's so B-A-Y-A-L-K-A-Y-M-A-N-E-N. Promo on YouTube. That's where you can see the promo of the show. Um, but the, the these projects that I've been doing recently is... Um, trying to create a history project from all the tribes, our neighboring tribes that utilize consolidated tribal health. So I'm trying to get the history from each tribe and combine it so that we're able to have teaching tools for people. And I've been working on that for a while. Um, so I did get the tribes to submit to me, you know, the, the history they're willing to share for um, a project. So hopefully that'll come out. And, um, hopefully he'll help me with some, uh, make him act things out to you, I guess. <laughs> that is very cool. Um, so, uh, thank you so much. What about you, Yosha? Uh, right now, I'm taking lessons from Kathy O'Connor for language and got practice in baseball. That's about it for me. That sounds and awesome. Oh, and school. <laughs> and school. <laughs> um, cool. Speaking of school, um, Erica is a great source for education, even though uh, COVID is happening. Like she mentioned already, if you are a teacher or just somebody interested in learning language, it is northernpomotools.com. It has a speaking dictionary. It also has lesson plans if you are a teacher and you want to incorporate that. Um and like, you can go on to Eilina's website, which is Coyote and Big Buff, and check that out. So thank you guys so much for joining me today, Yawi, for being here. Um, and I will see you tomorrow, Erica. <laughs> All right. Um, so I just have uh, five minutes left or so, and I um, wanted to do a follow-up with something that I had talked to talked about at my very first show, which was the Jules Tavernier exhibit that was at the time at the Met Museum in New York, and it is now at the De Young Museum in San Francisco. Um, it, there was a Pomo a community Pomo community reception um, on I think it might have been two weeks ago now on the Friday night. And that was amazing. Um, this exhibit is about Jules Tavernier, who is a painter who painted um, this giant painting, and it's called the Alem Pomo and the Subterranean Roundhouse at Clear Lake, California. And um, it could have just been an exhibit about this painter and the other paintings that he's done and his contemporaries. But it actually... Uh, with the help of Robert Geary, Sherry Smith Ferry, and Mio Marufo became more than that. And it talks about, um, it displays, in, in the display, it shows what life was like at that time for the Pomo people and how it's changed through then. And how these, there are men in that painting, there are four men in top hats and they are basically the banker the painter the miner (laughs) 
and you know the investor that created this this terrible mine, this mercury mine that really destroyed and and hurt the the Elampomo people. Um, but the representation that they have now is um, really amazing, and it it shows how resilient we are as a people. And I was extremely honored to have four baskets in that exhibit. So um, there are two other living weavers, Susie Billy and Clint McKay, who also have baskets in that exhibit. But I just wanted everybody to know that it is here now. It is at the De Young. It is absolutely worth going down there to see. There are some baskets um, made from people who lived locally. Actually, Mary Benson has several baskets in there, and she was an amazing uh, master weaver I felt weak in my knees just to have a basket in the same case as Mary Benson like I was like oh my god are you sure it should be in there um, so that's happening now um, the the reception for the Pomo community was amazing 250 people came and showed up there were dancers there were prayers um, there was an amazing assortment of food and the Pomo Weavers Society set up tables to show that um, we are still here we're still weaving we're still teaching um, the I found out from Robert that um, when he saw this painting uh, the Jules Tavernier painting in I think it was in New York the description of it was written by a native not even from California basically who didn't have a roundhouse in their community so they didn't know what it was about and it also stated that the Elam Pomo were extinct <laughs> so like they got they got that way wrong but now it's a really really cool representation and um Museums are changing the way that they're looking at things and incorporating and including um, the actual communities and people that they're showing art from, which I think is an amazing, amazing thing. I was also invited um, as an artist with baskets in the exhibit. I was invited to a very, very fancy reception the next day for the people that like basically paid for it to come there and paid for the, and I have never been to such a fancy place. There were seven courses <laughs> and it had assigned seating and I was there in my ribbon dress with my Pomo Weaver Society t-shirt on. Um, feeling really out of place but feeling very very blessed so i just wanted to um, let everybody know how that went and let you know that that exhibit is close to us now and i am about to take my leave of you and as this is a new year i really wanted us to start off in a new good way and i am going to play a prayer song for you that was sent to me by Bernadette Smith, so I'm excited for that. Um, it starts with a prayer, and then it ends with a prayer song. So I'm so grateful for my guests, Silena, Yosha, and Erica, for being here today. Um, have a great new year, everybody, and I will talk to you next month. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.